Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, and with me, my co-host, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? Pretty good. You know, this topic that we uh, are going to cover today, uh, every year when the Super Bowl occurs, uh, many people claim that the biggest uh, sex trafficking day in the whole year is Super Bowl Sunday. Now, whether that's true or not uh, is left open to, to some debate. However, all the um, the components are there for this to happen. Large amounts of, uh, of men in a city, uh, the demand for prostitution, the demand for um, pimps to lure young women into prostitution for an event like this. It's, it's horrible to associate this with... Uh, this event, which should be, a, you know, all Americana, the Super Bowl, it's horrible to associate it uh, with sex trafficking. However, it has been. And we're going to look into that. We're going to also look into an incident just just happened in New York City. But before we do that, we're going to play the Police Off the Cuff song, and uh, we'll be right back. It's a show with two retired detectives. That were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories and some jokes. Even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff. One episode just ain't enough. Get a little laughter and an interview too. It's maybe the best thing you can do. Hello, folks, and welcome back. The topic is human trafficking, sex trafficking. More and more common, uh, the more people come into this country illegally, um, they're already weakened by their status, and they're being uh, preyed upon by some of these cartels. But here's a real incident of uh, human trafficking right in New York City. And we're going to cover this because the Manhattan DA's office did a full-year investigation and, you know, when they say, when if you see something, say something, this is one of those instances. If people were would have reported these people, maybe they could have brought this down earlier. Uh, we're going to play this on the screen and uh, get your um, get your feelings on this. Here we go. The child services had that address and they knew his history. Both in handcuffs, 38-year-old Kareem Mitchell and his wife, Sharice, 51, went into court. You were doing this with foster children? Is that correct? The Manhattan DA's office calls this a sex trafficking takedown that came after a nine-month investigation. In evidence, verbatim texts about prostitution, money records on Zelle, ads for prostitution on Instagram and Facebook, and specifics regarding hotels and cars where sex acts allegedly took place. Involved? Eight victims, all young women, two of them in foster care at the couple's apartment here in the Bronx. In court, both Kareem and Sharice Mitchell pleaded not guilty to sex trafficking and conspiracy charges, which, if convicted, carry up to a possible 100 years in prison for him and 75 years for her. Read in court verbatim texts like, pop you in the face, get in the car, from just this morning, including expletives promising violence. Allegedly, fear and threats were a daily occurrence in messages, all reportedly in evidence. Most disturbing, Kareem Mitchell is a registered sex offender dating back to 2008. He served five years. His wife, Sharice, at exactly the same address in the Bronx, was able somehow to foster two young women who, according to what happened in court today, literally were recruited from the foster care system for sex trafficking and prostitution. Their ages were not given. Do you have anything to say? The charges span areas of New York, but alleged prostitution also took place in Connecticut and New Jersey. 
charges against sex trafficking and conspiracy. If convicted, he could see 100 years. She could see 75. Both were called a flight risk today in court. No bail for the man, Kareem Mitchell. Uh, millions in bail, which she is not expected to post for Sharice Mitchell. Your reaction, Phil? <laughs> wow. All I could say is wow. Um, before I really give the reaction to that part of what we're going to talk about, uh, I had brought out earlier that the new DA in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, was talking about not charging prostitution cases or not enforcing prostitution arrests. Now, again, you have a situation here. What we're talking about is these are foster parents that had children that are being taken out of their home for different reasons, whether it be uh, domestic violence in the home, narcotic use, drugs, whatever, uh, drug-addicted parents or mothers or fathers or whatever it is. So these kids are already uh, at a risk uh, and they're vulnerable. So now you have foster parents and he's a registered sex offender <laughs> living in a, foster, in, a, in a home with foster children. So those two things don't jive together. They're oil and water. They don't mix. It's just unbelievable that you could have such a situation going on in New York City that one hand, the foster care system doesn't know that the, uh, uh, the sex, offender sex offender registry, uh, that they're not meeting in the middle and finding out uh, if such a thing is taking place. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I feel terrible for these young kids. Uh, they're obviously vulnerable, like I said. They're being threatened with violence and God knows what else. Um, so they're at a great disadvantage. This is true sex trafficking. This is true and true sex trafficking. Now, again, that's why I called on a district attorney in New York City to interdict and arrest a prostitution arrest because you may have a kid that gets picked up in one of these sweeps and they may tell the truth about what's going on. And then you can start this investigation. And I would venture to say that maybe how this investigation started to begin with. So we cannot do the things that this insane district attorney in New York, Alvin Brand is talking about doing. We need to enforce the laws. And then from these arrests, we'll be able to interdict these young kids and find out what's going on and offer them some type of counseling and help. And, uh, you know, the main subject we're on today about the Super Bowl being a, uh, a, a hub for tra sex trafficking, I was completely taken aback by this because I had no idea that this type of stuff goes on. However, when I did a little bit of research, you can understand it's a week-long party now. And again, uh, prostitution, uh, you know, it revolves around these type of events. And you can understand how there could be a, a grave risk of, uh, of sex trafficking at the Super Bowl. Phil, I just want to get back to that New York case because it just seems like incompetence at the highest level. Absolutely. Because, first of all, foster children, there's supposed to be an investigation into the background of the people that are adopting them. And yes. clearly this woman was being a foster mother, not just for profit, but in order to force these girls into prostitution. However, they're getting paid to take care of these kids. So I also, I've doubted you know, the motives of a lot of foster children in my career in the NYPD when we did homicide investigations and seeing people that were registered uh, foster parents. And I was just like, how the hell do they let you be a foster parent? It was just baffling to me. The other thing is, shouldn't the sex offender registry somehow be connected to the foster care registry? So if they run an address and it says, no, a sex offender lives here, Guess what? You can't have a foster child in the same location as a sex. I mean, it's baffling to me. There's no database that that would just blow up and pop up and say, no, a sex offender lives here. Same address that this woman's trying to be a foster mother at. Well, in my opinion, ACS, which handles foster children in the New York City area, Administration for Children's Services, how they don't have a connection to a sex offender registry, all you'd have to do, you don't even need the help of a police department. You can just go online and find out who's on the registry. And then, like you said, you cross-reference. And if there's a person living at that address, then you have to put on the brakes and say, wait, hold on a second. We can't have this foster child placed in this location if this actual person that's registered there is in the same dwelling. Unbelievable how something like that could it take place. It seems like that should be investigation 101. And Absolutely. And if you know how Absolutely. to do investigation 101, who's protecting these kids in these foster care programs? I mean, outrageous. You know, we were just talking about Don Wells, 
the other day and because he was arrested for uh, and, and remanded for a DWI. And so many people in our chat, I don't know if you noticed, come to his defense. And I'm just like, I hope they never get their kids back because both of them are unfit parents. You know, she appears to be a drug addict. He's an alcoholic. He's been in prison. And was done. I mean, I hope their kids go to a a... a a good foster family. A I healthy really environment. You want yes. them in a healthy environment. Because they're not, they have no hope with those two, Don and Candace Wells. And I'm sorry if some of you folks that listen to us disagree with that, but I think they're a mess, both of them. They're both alcohol and or drug addicts and or both, you know? So I don't think they belong having kids. They should not be raising kids. I have to agree with you, Billy. And unless there is a drastic change, now there should, there should be a very intensive investigation by the Children's Administration Service, whatever it is in that area, that before those kids are placed back into that home, that there is a tremendous change. There needs to be, those kids need to be in a healthy environment. Everything we saw and everything we talked about, we know, and we called for it right in the beginning that the other children should be uh, investigated to possibly be removed from the home because we saw what we saw right on the video camera, right on right on, on YouTube, on, on different podcasts and stuff. So we knew that there was an environment there that was not healthy. Those kids should only be placed back if there's some major changes by Candace and Don. And I'm talking about something that might take place in years from now. That's not going to be a couple of weeks and then back in the home. No way. They no. need they need intensive help and there has to be a drastic change before those kids should go go back. And I, I'm speaking on behalf of being a parent and be on behalf of the children. That's not a, a, an environment for children to grow up in. Absolutely. This, this is a, a girl in California who was basically like kidnapped off the street and forced into prostitution. I just want to play a little bit of this for our viewers uh, to take a look how this could be possible. It could happen to anyone. In the car, I knew something was off. Simone Miller was only 16 when she was kidnapped and trafficked by a man she had just met. He was just like, um, I'm a pimp and you're my hoe and I'm going to take you somewhere. You're going to be given instructions on what to do and running is not an option. She was taken to a hotel where other women were being held. Simone says the man who told her he was a rapper when she first met him warned her if she tried to escape, he would kill her mother and her grandmother. If you, anybody knows me, like that's like my weakness. You know, because, because like my, my family, family is all I have. As days went by, Simone was desperate to get out of this situation. What can I do? What can I do? And, and I just like played along and I, I had him thinking like, I'm okay with it. You know, I put on this red lingerie. The pimp let his guard down and when he took a shower and left his cell phone on the bed, Simone made a quick phone call to her mother. And I said, Mom, and she said, Baby, where are you? And I said, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at, Mom. She just said, Tell me what you see, Simone. I said, I, I'm like looking out the window of this hotel. I said, I see like a 7 Eleven. She's like, Okay, what else do you see? I said, I'd Like a, you know, a church's chicken. She's like, okay, okay. Somehow, with that brief description, her entire family hit different locations, searching for Simone until they found her outside of a 7-Eleven. Her captor was inside buying cigarettes, unaware his victim was about to be rescued. All I could think was when this man gets out of the 7-Eleven, it's going to be trouble. Despite everything he put her through, Simone protected him telling her family he wasn't the man who kidnapped her. I still know that it wasn't right what he did, but I got in the car with him. You know what I mean? And I just didn't want, I didn't want them to kill him in front of me. And I kept saying, no, that's not him, that's not him. It's been many years since that horrific experience. Simone is now a crisis interventionist at Teen Project, a nonprofit that helps survivors of human trafficking. It's healing. Subconsciously, I'm healing by helping. Such a strong young woman. Now, you may be wondering what happened to the man who took Simone. Well, her family let her let him go the night that she was rescued. He was later killed in an unrelated incident. Wow, that's karma. He was later killed in an unrelated incident. You know, 
If you could see, that's if you guys know anything about law enforcement, that's almost like what's called Stockholm syndrome. And she identified with her captor, and she didn't want him punished. Uh, you know, you know really, she was also in fear because he did say to her that he would kill her family too. So, you know, she's a young kid and, and who knows what was going through her mind, but you're right about the Stockholm syndrome. The, uh, you know, you, you get to be uh, almost on the same page as the person that's holding you captive and uh, you start to feel empathy for them. And, and obviously it's, uh, it's, I guess it's human nature, you know, but uh, terrible, terrible situation with these young kids. It's just unbelievable. You know, Phil, I remember when back in the eighties, early nineties, the Port Authority in New York City was notorious for that because there were pimps all over the place. And they would see young girls coming into New York City and they would uh, they would read the fear on their face and uh, the insecurity on it. The, and they would grab these girls and they would force them into prostitution. And I, I don't know if you remember back in the 80s, the west side of Manhattan was like a prostitution, hundreds. I'm talking hundreds of girls out on Absolutely. the street any night. And it was just almost like the, the way the city um, and the police department dealt with it is they made arrests, which really were just a total revolving door because I think loitering for prostitution is just the name misdemeanor. And the girl would just get out the next day. And uh, that was it. And uh, CR Patrick, Generation X, thank you for the $5 super chat. And she's a fan of Phil Grimaldi. She says, Phil G for mayor. Thank you for this live. <laughs> thank you so much. I don't know if Phil's going to run for mayor anytime soon. Maybe she could be starting my uh, exploratory committee. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, it, it's a huge problem. And it's starting to come back. And I think part of the problem is this whole thing we spoke about with other crimes. Uh, the, 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 the problem with decarceration and the willingness not to prosecute for certain crimes. And as you can see, the big victims... You know, and, and the other side always tries to say, oh, it's just sex. No, it's not. Look at the victims of this. The victims of these young girls. And it's not just sex. You know, if you're talking about whatever your feelings are on prostitution and you're talking about like Las Vegas where it's legal and it's regulated and all that's a whole different thing. But when it's it's part of the criminal element, there's a lot of, you know, kidnapping and there's people held against their will. And there's brutal pimps that run this type of business. And it's a horrendous thing. Billy, you brought up the Port Authority from the 80s and 90s. Uh, pimps were preying on runaways. That's what that was all about. They'd be hawking runaways. Kids run away and they come to the big city and whatever the situation is, whether they have, uh, you know, uh, issues at home with their parents, abuse, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse drug abuse. That's what they were doing. They were preying on these kids. So now in 2022 or 2021, 2022, they use social media to prey on these kids. So they engaged them in conversation in different chats, chat rooms, and they offered them, you know, some, yeah, get away from your parents and whatever it is that's going on in your home, come and meet me. And next thing you know, they're forcing these kids into prostitution. It's, it's just unbelievable situation. And from the little bit of research that I did, I was really taken aback by it. Christine Connell, thank you so much for this comment, and uh, you're very brave to um, to volunteer it. Absolutely. I lived on the streets of Seattle, early 80s. The predators were everywhere. Help was hard to find. A few good cops helped save my life. Was drugged and woke with gun in my face. God got me out of there. Well, thank God you got saved, Absolutely. and I'm sure your life is hell of a lot better now that you got out of that bad situation, a horrendous situation. Uh, Billy, she made such a point there, though, that there wasn't a lot of services. I think there are social services that can interdict these kids today. I mean, listen, uh, you know, it, it's going to be hard to find them behind closed doors with all the social media stuff. But if there is an arrest situation, they can be interviewed during the arrest process and say, what's going on with your life? How did you wind up here? And that's what these social programs do I mean that's what we should be focusing on? Let's stop defunding the police and let's fund programs like that. I mean, we talked about funding, you know, the after-school programs with the kids, with the boxing and all to keep them out of gangs. How about for these poor kids that are in these horrible situations in forced homes and they wind up, God forbid, being prostitutes and they get arrested? Let's have a program that interdicts them and offers them help and safety and and you know services to get their lives back on track. That young lady that just posted that comment, she's a success story of what happened in her life, and she made it out, thank God. 100%.
And I want to play a little bit of this. This is getting back to the Super Bowl and the problems with it. That combat human trafficking came together, outlining their enhanced outreach efforts ahead of Super Bowl 56. Now, they highlight the critical role law enforcement plays in helping recover youth being impacted by sexual exploitation and the collaborative effort needed to help these victims, many of them minors. A greater focus will be placed on the streets before, during, and after the Super Bowl. Officials say the biggest sporting event of the year draws human traffickers. The event has become synonymous with sex trafficking due to conditions that lend themselves to increased exploitation of minors. Now, the LASD Special Victims Bureau will be working to rescue and provide services to victims of sexual exploitation. And it's these organizations that work directly with the minors. We respond to the police stations within 90 minutes of recovery. When we respond, we respond with a humanitarian bag. In these bags, they have a change of clothes, a toothbrush, a teddy bear, um, maybe even a coloring book. Something to remind them of some of the healthier things that they are because they are children. Because I am a survivor and I remember what it was like to feel trapped and alone and to see no way out. And I know for a fact that if someone hadn't reached out to me, I would not be alive today. Yeah, just some powerful remarks That's by the survivors of sex trafficking, human trafficking. Again, this is just one component of the many safety measures ahead of Super Bowl 56. So as you could see, there's another person that uh, she's giving back now. She survived human trafficking, sex trafficking. And uh, there is a way out. I mean, but, you know, when you think about how manipulative these pimps are and how violent these pimps are, and it's like they, they ran the Upper West Side, uh, not the, excuse me, Hell's Kitchen area, uh, but that's below 59th Street, above 40, like, say, 44th Street. And Lieutenant Pranzo is in the uh, chat, and he was in street crime back then. He can attest to that. There were so many girls out on that street, and these pimps patrolled like they were a radio car watching their girls, watching their watching their dollars. And they there were rival pimps that would get in fights, and sometimes they get in gunfights on the street. And then uh, some people in the chat also said that a lot of the times the prostitutes would rob the Johns, and that was all part of it too. Like if a guy rode through the, uh, they would call it the track. There's a whole language to prostitution. They would, uh, someone would ride through the track in a taxi and the prostitutes would reach in and like relieve the person of a Rolex watch or a chain or something like that. And it happened all the time, you know. You know, Billy, think about what that young lady said that said she was in she was in uh, sex trafficking and now she's trying to be an advocate to prevent it. If somebody didn't reach out to me, I wouldn't be alive today. So when did that reach out take place? Was it during an arrest? You know what I mean? The, very, very important that we have services in place to interdict these kids and find out if they need help and pull them out of this horrible situation they're in. Now, with regard to the Super Bowl, I'm just really taken back by it. The fact that this is the most watched sporting event in America and it's notoriously susceptible to sex trafficking. I had no idea, Billy. I, I'm really, I mean, when I started to think about it, okay, it's a week-long party. There's probably a lot of different people partying and drinking. And yeah, prostitution falls in line with that. But I didn't know that sex trafficking would be such a uh, a big topic for the Super Bowl. And, you know, I also found when I was doing a little bit of research that the local government in Los Angeles is putting up signs in LAX uh, saying if you need help with telephone numbers. And they actually posted signs. They have illuminated signs throughout the airport. And they have 460 bathrooms that also have uh, signs in them to say uh, if you're involved in uh, sex trafficking or prostitution and you need help, here's a phone number. Uh, they also actually sent information to different hotels in the area. So it sounds like the local politicians are trying to get out in front of this horrible situation. But I wonder, where is NFL in the middle of all of this? I don't see any, I haven't found anything uh, related to the NFL. You know, the NFL is making millions and billions of dollars off of this uh, football game, this, this the Super Bowl between advertisers and, and the rest. But uh, what are they doing to, to, to try and put a stop to this horrible sex trafficking? That's the question that I have. You know, I, I would like to, and I just want to add for the other side, there are people 
uh, specifically journalists, that dispute that this is in fact the largest human trafficking day of the year. So uh, editorialists, but then there's, look, they are obviously putting a lot of effort with social service workers getting out there to spot it. They also uh, try to make aware of the, the um, Uber drivers, Uber drivers that are potentially driving young girls that, are, that appear to be terrified, appear to be with maybe someone who's older than that they don't look like they should be with, for them to report it also. So it's that gets back to that old New York City thing, which became the mantra after 9-11, if you see something, say something. Yep. And that's what's going on in these these areas. And, you know, I, I mean, you're 100% right. I think the NFL takes a lot, and they decide what they're going to get involved with in regards to, uh, you know, what Black Lives Matter. Obviously, they were heavily invested in that. Uh, how about this? How about uh, human trafficking? How about uh, prostitution? How about, you know, slavery, people that are being enslaved into working a job? Because this is right near the Mexican border. It's in California. So potentially they could see some of this at the Super Bowl and they want to train people how to spot this and how to do something about it, how to notify the police, how to notify the authorities, write down a license plate number, write down a description. You know, if a girl looks like she's in crisis, Talk to her, ask her, you know. You know, Billy, when I was doing the research, I was seeing those stories that you just uh, remarked to that some of the journalists are saying, well, is it really the biggest sex trafficking event? Whether it is or it isn't, if there's one person that's being trafficked or forced into prostitution at that game, that's one person too many. So I think that they're, they're trying to shine a light on it. They're saying it's the largest event in uh, largest sporting event that's watched in America uh, it, it's notoriously susceptible to sex trafficking because of the amount of people that, uh, you know, that descend on the Super Bowl area. And like I said, it's a week long party. So it makes sense that it could be one of the largest uh, draws of, you know, prostitution and sex trafficking and, and these young, uh, these minors that are forced into it. So, I, I mean, you know, whether or not we're going to decide it, is it the biggest or not? Like I said, if it's one person, it's one person too many. How about putting some shining some light on it, putting some focus from the NFL. It sounds like what, what little research I did. I mean, it seems like the local politicians have uh, their hand in the game to try and, you know, to help, but uh, you brought up some good points. I mean, uh, if a Uber driver gets a second where he could say to a young lady, are you okay? Uh, uh, is everything okay with this person you're with? Even while that person turns their head for a second, you know, that might be something. Maybe they can hand, give them business cards to hand to people that they think could be, uh, you know, being forced into some uh, sex worker stuff, you know? So uh, this, is, uh, this, this video here was last year from Florida, and you could see they targeted the Johns. And we're going to see uh, what some of the results they had. And a secure experience for everyone visiting Tampa. We were also working behind the scenes to zero in on human trafficking and those who sexually exploit others. The sickening practice of human trafficking is a crime that is nothing less than modern day slavery. Escaping the wrath of a trafficker takes courage and in some cases is nearly impossible. For this reason, we have not and will not relent in our efforts to stop the demand. And we are accomplishing this one arrest at a time, one rescue at a time. When the National Football League announced nearly two years ago that Tampa was awarded Super Bowl 55, we knew then that for some, our beautiful Tampa will become a hotspot for human trafficking. Our, other under, our undercover detectives focus on hotels and motels, online chat rooms, adult entertainment establishments, massage parlors, and street-level solicitations, which resulted in a record number of arrests. Over the past two weeks, the 75 individuals whose photos are on display were apprehended while trying to buy or sell sex. The youngest, just 19 years old, and most senior, 73 years old, all of whom were taking part in this deplorable criminal practice that destroys lives and keeps human traffickers in business. In one case, through skillful and diligent detective work, we 
identified, identified three, three men, men believed to be trafficking women in our area. Undercover detectives engaged with one of the trafficking victims through an online advertisement. She arrived at the hotel accompanied by Alvin Lynch Jr., a 20-time convicted felon, and his associate, Scott Fitzgerald. After their arrest, the victim told detectives about additional women the men were also trafficking. While I cannot provide too many details due to the ongoing nature of this investigation, I can tell you that we identified and made contact with two more victims, one of whom is only 17 years old. Involved in another case is Juan Canoe Jr., who now faces a human trafficking charge after traveling to meet a girl he thought was 17 years of age. Cano engaged in an online conversation with one of our undercover detectives who assumed the identity of a human trafficker. Juan Cano struck a deal with the trafficker, our detective, offering to pay to have sex with whom he believed was a teenage human trafficking victim for $150. While Operation Game Over resulted in a record number of arrests, we were also able to identify and rescue five adult females who we connected with one of our local partners, Sayla Freedom, to receive counseling and support services. And the 17-year-old female we rescued is receiving help through the Department of Children and Family. To be effective in our fight against human trafficking, we will continue to pursue every lead and every space where human traffickers operate. We remain vigilant to identify victims and get them the help and support they need to break this vicious cycle, while continuing to educate the public on the signs of human trafficking and what to do if they believe someone may be a victim. So even though this journalist says it's it's a it's a myth, it's obviously not a myth. That was last year, I believe, in Tampa or two years ago. And yeah. they targeted um all these sex offenders, these people that were buying and selling sex. And I think he said they made over 75 arrests. Another thing he mentioned, and it's very common, um, a lot of this crime in this day and age has moved to the Internet. So especially online predators that are looking to meet young children. And Westchester County, and I, I believe Nassau County has it too, and I would imagine Manhattan must also have it. They have these online stings where detectives will pretend they're 14 or 15 years old and they'll lure some online predator in and they have like a 95% conviction rate. And most of the time, the offender takes a plea because if they take it to trial, they will do five years in prison. That's like if a first time uh, luring a child for a sex offense, they can do five years. So most of them will plead guilty and they get five years probation, but they have to register as a sex offender and they have a felony conviction. Billy, I want to go back to the story that we started with. Now, let's just say for argument's sake, that foster home, and I don't, I don't even want to call it a foster home. It was a recruitment center for prostitution or sex trafficking. But let's say they weren't arrested. There's a chance that the the uh, the, the, the man of that situation, the, the husband, he could have taken a couple of the girls and went down to, to California and traffic them, you know, put them in a bar or a restaurant and engage with, with uh, people who are partying and say, hey, you want to have sex with these young girls? That very well could have happened. Now, they were obviously arrested beforehand. We don't know what their plans were, but obviously this is not something that is taking place only in one situation. There's situations like this across the country. And again, to, to generate business, they're going to take these young girls and they're going to force them into the areas where there's going to be parties and all of these different things going on in different bars and restaurants. And that's how they're going to engage to find uh prospective Johns to engage in sexual activity with these young girls. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm just, I said it twice already. I'm going to say it for a third time. I was so taken back by this. It never registered in my head that this would be, you know, you think at a Super Bowl, it's a, it's a, it's a great day when you, you know, you get together with family and you watch the game on TV and the commercials and all of that. And you have a, you have a usually it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And then uh, you find that there's this dark side of it. And uh, I think that, we really need to shine a light on it, to focus on it. And the NFL's got to step up. And uh, they're, they're throwing money towards Black Lives Matter and racism and all of these things that 
really, I don't agree with none of it. I mean, there is some racism in the country, obviously, but they make it sound like it's rampant and I don't believe it to be. But how about getting behind these poor young kids that are being forced into the sex trade by uh, vicious animalistic pimps? Femi Fatale, thank you for your comment. They recruit women in jail as well. Happened to a high school friend of mine while she was using heroin. There they recruit go. people that are weak. Uh, sometimes they'll get them addicted to drugs so that they're less resistant to leaving. You know, And that's all part of that whole Stockholm Syndrome thing. They'll, they'll get them addicted to drugs and they, they, they won't be able to find the strength in themselves to, to get out of a horrendous situation. And these pimps are all, if you ever saw some of these pimps, they're, they're, they're the worst type of human being on this earth, you know. The other thing that we're not going to ignore, and I, I'm sure anyone that lives in a, a town, a suburb in, uh, in the United States, probably they're all over the world, are these massage parlors. And those are prime also for human trafficking. Young Asian women that are forced over here. They're told that they're going to get a job in a restaurant. Next thing they know, they're doing, uh, they're working in the sex trade. And that's what it is. And they're forced into it. And there's hundreds of these locations. And again, because there's no teeth in the law, they're almost impossible to shut down these locations. The police will do a raid. They'll make a rest. Two days later, a different, uh, a different group of people have the same location up and running, you know, with a different name. Absolutely, Billy. Uh, it's a difficult process to really uh, put these people out of business because, like you said, they'll open under a different name. They'll go to a different location. And usually, like with the massage places, I, we had occasion when I worked in Bay Ridge uh, before I retired, a few years before I retired, uh, to come across some of these uh, – they call them massage parlors, but they're not massages. They're, they're sex trade operations. One or two people involved in the location has a, has a license to give a massage and the rest of the people are just, they're playing out their hookers. There's no other way to explain it. And probably some of them, the ones that we had weren't Asian. They were Russian. They were from uh, different areas of uh, that area of the country. And uh, you know, they're new to the country. They don't have a lot of, uh, family here they're forced into it obviously and uh you know some people look at it as a victimless crime no it's not victimless these are true victims if you're forced to do something against your will and again these pimps that we were talking about earlier what they'll do is they'll take advantage of a person that's in turmoil so what's your problem oh i have no place to live well come and live i'll put give you this nice place to live you could stay with me you know you'll be my girlfriend that's how it starts out they paint the rosy picture they get them into their grips they get them uh into their confidence and then they say well you know you can't live for free how am i going to take care of you you got to go out on the street for me and next thing you know they're being prostituted by these animals for sure folks this is a uh, police off the cuff real crime stories um I see a lot of our friends with the green font, our, our channel members. Thank you guys so much for your support. Uh, we all, if you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, give, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. We also have a Patreon that helps support us with three different levels. And as I alluded to before, the YouTube channel members in the green font, we have five different levels. Uh, if you could support us, uh, become a member of the YouTube family. We give extra uh, content. In fact, Phil and I are supposed to do an additional Coppers in the Kitchen episode coming in the up next couple of weeks. Teach you guys some really good uh, <laughs> recipes from from both from Italy and from the poor Irish family I came from. I mean, it might make. I'm going to teach you guys how to make poor man's pizza <laughs> in, in one of the next Coppers in the Kitchen episodes. Anyway, let's get back to this really uh, heartbreaking topic. It's just, you know, it's just a horrendous subject, and you know. When, when something like the Super Bowl that just really generates billions, not millions of dollars, if you take into consideration the amount of money that is bet on the Super Bowl, it goes into the billions, you know? I, I would uh, say that almost everyone that's listening to this, uh, CR Patrick, you really want Phil for mayor that badly. Thank you so much for the $5 Super Chat, but I don't know hey, if Phil's so running anytime soon, but, but thank uh... you uh, Maybe yeah, thank you for, for that, you know. Thank you so uh, much. Great. Every single person I'm sure has in their office or in the school they work at or wherever they work, these these pools, you know, these boxes, everyone. I mean, it, it's a harmless little thing. 
Sana Elise Hoth Johnson. Thank you so much for the $19 super sticker. I really appreciate that. And uh, I hope I said your name correctly. It's a little Sana Elise Holt Johnson. That's great. Super sticker. I love the I love that. Uh, is that a Rottweiler you got there in that picture? I don't want to sneak in. I don't want to sneak into your backyard. <laughs> is she from across the pond, you think, Bill? I think I think uh, the Netherlands, I think. Netherlands. Uh, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sana. Yeah, uh, it's great that we have all these uh, subscribers and listeners from across the world. It's just a great feeling. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, it sure is. And um, Ryan Cantrell, thank you so much for the 499 Super Chat. You know, a lot of you guys, sometimes I I, I haven't seen a lot of you in a, for a while. And then you all come back. It's great to see you coming back, you know. It's we try to be, Phil and I try to be as eclectic as possible and get some of the best guests. I don't know if you guys watched the other night. We thought it was one of the best shows we've done in a long time. We had two police commissioners on our show. One is a former police commissioner of Yonkers, which is a small town in Westchester. Not so small, very busy, uh, a lot of crime in Yonkers. And the other was the current police commissioner of Nassau County, which is a huge county on Long Island. And these guys were so great. I mean, great guests. And someone sent me a little message and said, you guys get the greatest guests. I said, yeah, we try, you know. And it's not always, you're not always guaranteed even when you have these fantastic guests to draw in the audience. And that's what always baffles me about YouTube. I'm going to try to get Bill Bratton too in the next couple of months because that would be New York amazing. City's got a huge problem with crime. And who better to talk to than, uh, than Bill Bratton? So I'm going to see if I can try to get, and he just, put out a new book. So he's going to want to sell Hawk his book. So hopefully he'll, uh, he'll be willing to come on our show. You know, Billy, uh, I thought the show the other night with the two commissioners was great. They brought up some great points, but I kind of felt vindicated by course we've been given our opinion. You and I feel we're, we're right in the same, we're in, in sync with, what our opinion is, is how to reduce crime, not only in New York, but throughout the country and getting it from upper management to police commissioners, they were right in lockstep with what we've been saying. So I really felt good about that. That was, was a great show. And real quick today, uh, we weren't scheduled to do a show. Uh, you, you got a hold of me earlier. We talked about possibly doing it earlier in the week and then we, you know, we pulled the pin on it and we decided to do it. I mean, I think it's something that really needs a focus on. So I'm glad we came on today. And, uh, that you know, Phil, to tell you the truth, you, you suggested this to me a couple of weeks ago and I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I actually, we've actually had some people reach out to us, experts in the field that wanted to come on the show, but I can't always like plan things that far ahead of time where I can say, Oh, can you come on? I actually asked a woman today, uh, to come on the show who was a police expert and and it was her birthday and and she um and she couldn't come on and, and she she's been on the show before uh, i'm gonna let me i'll find her name now why can't i think of her name right now and um so i i called her like a couple of hours before the show and she said oh it's my birthday i'm flying to um i'm flying to uh las vegas i said happy birthday and uh I said, it must feel great to be 21. And obviously she's a hell of a lot older than 21, but <laughs> she was flattered and she was looking forward to her birthday. And uh, so we try to, we try to get uh, folks, but you know, sometimes you can't always plan so far in advance. I, sometimes I like to do things by the seat of my pants, you know, Ryan Cantrell, your show is great. Love hearing the East coast perspective. We're all doing the same fight 11 months to retirement. Good for you, Good Ryan. For you, Ryan. And uh, thank you for your service. God bless all members of the service. You, Everyone wants to make it to the end to when they get a pension or when they've had enough of uh, doing the very stressful work that law enforcement is. And Bill and I are proof that there is life after the job, Ryan. That's so right. That's God right. bless you. I hope you, your 11 months goes quick and uh, enjoy your uh, life after the job. You know, Ryan, I when I first retired, I taught college for five years and I had totally taught college for 10 and a half years. But I didn't even miss a beat. I went right from retiring and to a full-time teaching job. And I had been teaching part-time. So, and then I did that for five years and then I got sort of a little sick of teaching and I left and I, I started doing acting and stand-up comedy. And then I fell into the podcast myself and Mark DeMeo and the podcast is now three years old and I dropped everything to just do the podcast. I'm not acting anymore. And I'm not doing stand-up comedy. I'm I'm doing just the podcast. And uh, 
it's a struggle, but uh, it's it's very satisfying. And along the way, I met Phil on a TV show, and then uh, Phil wound up being my co-host. So things work out. I'm very out. thankful that you dropped everything to keep continue doing this because <laughs> to me, it's uh, it keeps me focused. It keeps me in the game, so to speak, with law enforcement. And a lot of times we'll have a show that uh, the, any topic is open for discussion on police off the cuff, real crime stories, because, you know, like this uh, is kind of in the law enforcement category, but I think it's more of a human interest uh, kind of story. And uh, we're, we're ready to take on whatever the, the current, uh, you know, hot topic is of the day. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of times it is law enforcement related, but I think that we give a good perspective and we'll, we'll give honest opinions and we're not going to report stuff that we don't know for fact. We're trying to stay in that, you know, integrity lane. And, and I think we're doing a pretty good job of it. The viewers and the subscribers seem to agree. So uh, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and, and hopefully uh, it'll just get better and better and our audience will get bigger and bigger. Let me add this here for a second. Area. Thousands of people coming to one spot. And so um, there is more demand. Action 169 um, actually was birthed out of a lot of prayer. And I had been out of the industry, out of the strip club industry for about four or five years. And I continued to have dreams. And in the dreams, I was back in the strip club dressing room, getting ready to go out on stage. Um, you know, some of the dreams about to do couch dance or bed dance. And the dreams would end up just being very um, fearful, horrific, and I would wake up crying. And um, fast forward in my relationship with the Lord, um, he showed me Acts 16.9. That's how we got the name, Action 169, is to take action, um, that it's time to do something. And I have felt the call in my heart, knew somehow that, um, and it took several years, but knew somehow that I was going to go back. Um, for a different reason. We've actually been present doing things at several Super Bowls and actually every major sporting event, so not only the Super Bowl, but the World Cup and the Olympics. Um, we've done uh, major nationwide initiatives. When we found out that the Super Bowl was going to be in Minnesota, it was just a moment like, okay, we need to do something. We absolutely need to do something. And since we're already doing consistent strip club outreach, let's host Justice Awakening and praying into Justice Awakening. The Lord gave us Isaiah 52, which is actually the 52nd Super Bowl. So we are preparing for this and knowing Super Bowl is coming to Minnesota. I was praying and just um, asked the Lord, who's supposed to be here? And he's Andy Lovera. This is the good part, is people like you showing up. I'm so honored. And I... I'm sitting in that seat, Danielle. I'm like, why isn't this church full and overflowing? Where are the people? So we're calling everybody out. And it's happening. And praise God, this, this fire will not die. We're going to make it bigger. So these were women that formerly worked in the uh, sex industry. You so you heard that that beautiful woman actually. She was formerly a stripper, and she got out of that business. And that business also can be uh, really nasty and organized crime involved in it, and just not meeting such good people and the people that you work with, and potentially yourself. You could get involved in drugs and alcohol and that type of thing. And uh, this woman was able to get out of that, and now they're like volunteering trying to help other people to get out of that life. You have to applaud those women. They're very strong to have been on the inside of this uh, situation with uh, sex trafficking, whether it be uh, strip clubs or uh, outright prostitution. Uh, they're strong women. God bless them. And uh, I kind of feel a little bit stupid about this, Billy, that it never really dawned on me that these large sporting events would have a drawer of uh, sex workers. And, and you know, it kind of makes sense. It's really not, it's like two and two adds up to four, but it just never dawned on me. And I, I'm just so glad that we uh, we came across this uh, topic and that we're doing the story. And, uh, you know, I, I just hope and pray that uh, there could be a little bit more of a spotlight on it at these big, uh, you know, these large sporting events like the Super Bowl, and uh, we could shine a light on it and maybe put a stop to some of it and save some of these, uh, some of these kids. And, and look at that young lady that, uh, you know, she found God, so to speak, and uh, she looks like she's doing a, a hell of a job trying to, uh, you know, help others 
that are uh, maybe sucked into this uh, life of prostitution. You know, Philly, I just want you to give a quick uh, shout out to this gentleman here who is one of our biggest supporters. <laughs> Joe Murray, attorney at law. Great guy, Joe Murray. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. You know, it's funny. Uh, the other night when we had Eddie Hartnett on, Eddie Hartnett knew. <laughs> he he knew the detective. If you guys don't know this story, it's uh, Joe, Joe Murray told this story on our show. He got into a fist fight with a detective on duty in uniform in a detective squad. And uh, the story goes, the guy poked him and said he hit the guy with like a left hand and broke his jaw. And he wound up getting arrested in uniform. And that incident set in motion a whole different sort of path in his life, which included him vesting out of the police department. He didn't even have an undergraduate degree, going to college, getting his undergraduate degree and going straight into law school and becoming a lawyer. Had that incident. So you know how sometimes something good can come out of something really bad. Well, that's the good thing that happened in Joe Murray's life that came out of something that was not so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a, uh, it's a story, exactly what you said, where uh, a bad situation, they pulled something good out of it. And uh, Joe has been on the show many times and you could see that he's a, he's a tenacious lawyer and he fights for the rights of his clients. And uh, he's drawn so many uh, questions to us during several of the cases that we've highlighted and had him on with. He's, and, he's, a, he's actually in the chat. He snuck right into the oh, chat. Oh, look can you believe that? I can't That's believe perfect. he just showed That's up. Perfect. That is perfect. But but listen, the point I was trying to make, he fights for the victims, advocates, and and he fights for his clients. And uh, you know, you can see that he knows the law and uh he's a constitutionalist. What better than that? Here he is. Love you guys. Joe Murray will fight for you inside and out Absolutely. of the court. And Joe, Absolutely. we were just saying the other night, Edmund Hartnett was uh praising you and uh he knew the whole story, so uh, we weren't going to tell the whole story again. But we we let, we had a little chuckle over it with the two police commissioners. I thought it was great. So I'm the glad top back. a lot of people been asking, "Where's Joe Murray? Where's Joe Murray?" Like friends of mine that watch the show religiously, my brother and stuff. My brother. Well, you know, Phil, till Joe ordered that electronic money counting machine, is Saturdays <laughs> and Sundays he would spend all day counting hundred dollar bills, oh my stacking God. them like ten feet high. He don't have to do that. He can call me out help him count. That's right. He can get paid in Bitcoin now, you know? Yeah. That's crazy. But anyway, folks, this, this topic is uh, a very important topic. Obviously, it, it gets to what should be prosecuted and what should not be prosecuted. And many people, you hear people say, oh, prostitution is a victimless crime. And bullshit. It, it's not. It's not a victimless crime, you know? And if you want to... Talk about a place like Las Vegas where it's legal and it's regulated by the government. It's a whole different thing. And that's also an ethical thing, whether you think that's right or not. But in when it's illegal and it's being run by the cr- criminals, then there are some huge victims. There are some big victims to this. And that's where we get into human trafficking. You know, Billy, uh, victimless? No, I doubt that. Uh, when you look at these young kids that were living in, like I said, it wasn't really a foster home. It was more of a recruitment center and they were forced into prostitution. That's victims, true and true. I mean, there's no question about that. And that's just one story that we highlighted from the New York area. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, there are people that will, uh, you know, patronize uh, and, uh, you know, and pay these pimps for having sex with these, uh, young girls. And, and that alone in and of itself is pretty sick. And I think that, uh, the enforcement on the, uh, on the Johns, as well as the, the pimps and, and, and the, you know, the prostitutes, uh, I'm all for that because, uh, if you, uh, you know, if you 
can inf- do enforcement on the uh, on the the people that are paying for the for the service might make them think twice about it. I mean, especially God with a kid. I just I don't think there's anything worse in life that you could do than abuse a child. So uh, it's just terrible. And I'm glad that uh, that we're doing this show today and maybe shine a little bit of light on it. And uh, you know, one of the things that uh, one of the young ladies that we had in the last video said, uh, you know, reach out. Uh, if you see something that doesn't seem right, uh, if you see someone that could be, uh, maybe violent towards a young girl and, uh, ask them, are you okay? Uh, do you need help? That might be a, a big, uh, a big help in a situation where someone's being forced into this type of behavior. Yeah. 100%. So, you know, guys, I'm, I'm going away for a few days, so I don't want to give away where I'm going, but I may do a, a few shows from a remote location. You may even see a few palm trees in the background. So uh, Phil and I will do a, I'll do a few remote shows, and maybe I'll even take a walk along the beach if it's nice out, and I'll uh, share the images with you guys. But uh, I'm getting tired of the cold weather, you know, and, and it actually warmed up a little bit in New York, but then I'm hearing it's getting freezing cold again. Let, yeah, uh, we're, su- we're supposed to have uh, a little bit of snow on Sunday. Uh, it's supposed to be real warm on Saturday, and then it's going to get cold on Sunday. We're supposed to have a little bit of snow or something, but we'll see. Listen, we're, we're ready for our Super Bowl uh, party. We want to enjoy ourselves, and we'll keep these kids in, in our prayers, and, and let's hope that, uh, you know, that uh, nothing bad happens or befalls any uh, any youths in the uh, in the situation, you know, whether in foster homes or whatever it is. So just keep a, a good thought for those kids. You know, guys, when I, on the 29th, it was my son Jake's birthday and um, it snowed in the afternoon and it was like 10 or 15 degrees here in New York. And my wife was like, oh, would you drive into the city? And I'm like, I really didn't want to drive because the roads were pretty nasty, but how do I turn down my wife when she wants to go take my son and my mother-in-law, yeah, my mother-in-law too, my son and my mother-in-law and his girlfriend out to dinner for his 27th birthday. So I, I braved the weather. I drove in. The roads were nasty. But the worst part of it was, you guys know, if you don't know, they put salt on the road and it winds up on your windshield. And my um, windshield washer fluid line froze. So I could not see out my oh damn my windows. That's and I was dangerous. Like, this is dangerous as hell. And, and, like, and my wife's like, well, pull over. I go, I can't pull over because, like, you know how there's not clear exits when there's snow and slush all over the place? The, the snow is on the shoulder where you would pull exactly. over. Exactly. So I was like, I, I braved it. I'm looking at the lights in front of me. And finally, we got to some light. This was on the way home. And I was like, it was so dangerous. And I, I said to my wife, go out and pour that bottle of water on the windshield. And, and she did. And then I was able to see the rest of the way home. What an adventure, right? What an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Northeast in the winter. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then I said later on, I go, why did I make my wife do that? I should have got out of the car. <laughs> Watch it now, Belly. Yeah. You know, I, but I, you know, I felt like, I, you know, I wasn't driving and, you know, all you had to do was pour the water on the windshield so I could see. But well, you had to be able to see if it was enough to clear the window, too. That's right. That's right. And and I paid the check for dinner, so I felt like that's good man. Least, good man. That's the least you could do. You know, we went all the way down to um, the village, Elizabeth Street. I went across Canal Street and then onto Elizabeth Street, and it was about you know it was about eight to ten inches of snow, so it was no picnic. Phil, uh, this was a great show for uh, you know. An unexpected little uh, little show here. We got to see our friends, Lieutenant Pete in the chat. Joe Murray showed up. All our, our channel members, Melissa. Two good men. Uh, tomorrow's hit the beach day, but I, I have really light white Irish skin. I got to be careful, you know. I got to put that on that, what are they, that 40 sunblock? 50, 50, yeah. something 40 like that. 50. <laughs> Look, at someone just said, poor lady, who is that, the real with Rumble, poor lady had to do all the heavy lifting for Karen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I take care of my wife, believe me. Uh, Jimmy Calandra's even is in the chat. I'm giving a shout out to Brooklyn Borough Commander, Second Chief Michael Kemper, great guy. Oh, I think, yeah, he, he supposedly uh, was contacted by Kemper and uh, wants to talk to him about maybe doing some youth services. Uh, that's, a, that's a real nice thing. And we're supposed to be doing Jimmy's show. I got to get a hold of him 
that uh, we could collaborate together and uh, yeah well we always show. we're always looking to uh to collaborate and to to go on the shows of other great podcasters you know so absolutely it's, uh, so phil it's final not an easy words. game it's a, it's a tough game this podcast in business <laughs> people think it's easy but it's not that's right uh phil final words Final words, I want everybody to stay safe over this Super Bowl weekend coming up. Enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Don't drink too much. Eh, you could eat a little extra. You'll walk it <laughs> off next week or something. And just keep these kids in your prayers and anybody that's being forced into sexual trade, uh, sex trafficking, uh, people that are doing stuff against their will, just keep a, a, a good thought for them and say a prayer. If you don't believe in God, just a good thought. And uh, Billy, enjoy your days. I know you've uh, been working, you've been grinding. You're going to have a few days off. If you want to do a show, get a hold of me. We'll be right in it. Oh, yeah. And, I want to uh, do a few shows from down there. Definitely. Good, and, uh, I, Saturday Duty Ron is having uh, Midwest Equus. He's having a fundraiser starting at noon, I think from noon to four. So if you guys can join Duty Ron, if you can, uh, Equus Search is a great organization that finds lost kids, and Definitely. we've worked with them before. In fact, myself and Duty Ron, I think even, even Phil were honorary law enforcement uh, liaisons with uh, Midwest Texas. Midwest Equus, <laughs> I said Equus. Mid Mid Midwest Texas Equus Search. It's kind yeah. of a tongue twister, which stands for the for the uh, for that search. And Equus is obviously a horse. So, folks, thank you so much, uh, I, you know, for listening to us today and uh, seeing a lot of people in the chat I haven't seen in a while. Thank you for coming back. Thank you guys for joining our YouTube channel, our Patreon channel, and just supporting Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories in general. Guys, have a great day. Stay safe, everybody, and look for coppers in the kitchen coming soon. <laughs> Very soon. One episode, just